I hope and trust that you had a, a good Thanksgiving weekend wherever you found yourself. We stayed right here at home. We ate too much, like probably most of us did. But we are looking forward to a Christmas season that I hope will bring will bring a new meaning to the season for many of us. We build it around uh, a tree over here called a Jesse tree. We placed one ornament on it today that stands for the one reading that we began with on this Sunday, December 1. In order for you to plug in and stay connected to what we're doing this Christmas season, let me just recommend that you pick up this little daily Bible reading guide. It's called Thin Places. You can pick one up at one of the info centers if you haven't found yours already. If you want to pick up a Jesse tree of your own, there is a poster size Jesse tree that mirrors the one that we will have in our worship center. And also we have one on the table out in the main atrium where you can look at both of them and see the ornaments that we place on the tree up close each and every Sunday. But we have a a family pack here, if you will. No cost to you. They're at a a booth right over here as you would exit out the main doors to your right. It's a big banner that says Thin Places. And we printed about 300 of these, and we have about 75 of them left. So take one for your family. Don't take more than one. But we want to provide these for you because they have the Jesse tree and all of the ornaments that we're going to place on the tree each and every Sunday They're paper, you cut them out, and you can create your own Jesse tree at home. So, those are not commercials, they're just assignments so that you can make the most of this Christmas season. And of course, if you you, uh, register for our daily Bible reading emails, then each and every day, you're going to find in your email inbox the reading for the day, the comments, the scripture passage, so that you can keep up with it that day as well. The title of this little booklet for our Christmas readings is called Thin Places. We build the idea of thin places along with a Jesse tree that comes from a tradition that is probably far removed from most of us. While my grandchildren were hanging that ornament, you heard the music in the background that had that unusual style and feel to it. It's called Celtic, C-E-L-T-I-C, but pronounced Celtic. But the Celtic tradition going back centuries has added to our understanding of Christmas with the beginning of not an Advent wreath that we normally would have over here in years past, but with the idea of a Jesse tree. A Jesse tree. Thin places. What do they mean? The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, gives us a very unique picture of Jesus. Unlike Luke's account in the second chapter of the wonderful birth of Jesus, or Matthew chapter 2, his version of the coming of the Christ child. But John's account of Christmas is far different from the other two Gospels, Matthew and Luke. For he says that Jesus was the Word, and he builds his entire account of the importance and the coming of Jesus, not calling him by his given name, Jesus, in the beginning, but calling him the very Word of God. And it's in that 14th verse 
where he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thin places. What is a thin place? I would describe a thin place regarding Scripture and regarding God's presence among us, a thin place, especially at Christmas this season, as those times when God gets so close to His creation that the line between God and man, if you will, becomes very, very thin. It's where God breaks through to us and helps us in our understanding of who he is. That's one way to look at a thin place. The graphic that's on the Bible study book cover, the graphic that you'll see from time to time, is that shaft of light, if you will, representing the thin place, where the very power and the very presence of light itself pierces through the darkness. If you've ever been in a situation like that, if you've ever been so close to God that you could almost reach out and and feel his presence, literally, you're in a thin place. And the scripture is filled, the Bible is filled with thin places. And there can be no thinner place, actually, than Christmas, can there? I mean, you talk about when God came so close to his creation... When it says the word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, you talk about God getting close to his creation. You talk about God reaching down to us to where we can see. And literally, where those who lived during those 33 years of Jesus' life were able to see the very presence of God, were able to touch, to talk to, to be with him. It's a thin place. So that's how we're going to bring the idea of a Jesse tree and the idea of those thin places. We're going to bring them together as one. For every reading we have beginning on the first day of December today, the reading involved one story, one thin place. It's represented by that ornament that's on the tree. If you look closely at it or find the one that's out there in the atrium when you leave or look closely at the one in the Jesse tree package you have at your own home, you're going to see on that ornament that there is a tree representing a thin place, part of a Jesse tree, the tree in the line of Jesus. There's a candle at the top of that tree. It represents Jesus. And as we build the story of God's coming to be with us, as we build the story of God's grace given to us from the bottom branches all the way up over the next 24 days, all the way up until Christmas, they all begin and lead to and climb the limbs of that tree to point to the ultimate, pointing to Jesus. So that's a a quick uh, introduction. You'll find it much more detailed and much more eloquently written in the Bible study guide that you have. So I want you to pick those up. I want you to enjoy. I want you to participate and immerse yourself in perhaps a different take on Christmas this year.
as we bring together the tree in the line of Jesus and those stories that tell us about Him, that tell us about those times when God gets so close to His creation, so close to you and me, breaking through. We can see, we can, we can touch almost. We can sense His loving and gracious presence with us. Thin places then, best defined as a, a deep sense of God's presence in everyday life. Keep that in your mind. Every day that you read the Bible reading and we add the ornaments each and every week because we're going to add a whole lot more ornaments next week in the next three weeks before Christmas. We've got to get them all up there. We're going to read about each one. We're going to talk about one or two of those each and every Sunday as we look back at the readings we've had. Thin places. God's coming so close to us, we can sense His presence. There are thin places all over the Bible. Like I say, we're going to look at 25 of them, if you will, as we count the days till Christmas. Countless stories of when God revealed Himself to His creation, when God spoke through men and women in the stories of the Bible. And as we put these ornaments on the tree each and every week, as you put yours on your own Jesse tree at home, you're going to be reminded that there are these times in Scripture over and over and over again where God is reaching out to us, where God is so close to us, where He is revealing Himself to us. And ultimately, we're going to find that that all culminates in the gift of life we find in Christ. So thin places all through the Scripture. And those should remind you and me of thin places in our own lives. If you stop and think about it, can you not remember times in your own pilgrimage, times in your own life where God has revealed Himself to you, where He has shown you His presence, where He has revealed to you His will, where you have sensed His His Word coming true in your life? What kind of things happen to you and to me that could be called thin places? Well, of course, if we look back to our own experience of of salvation, when you accepted the Lord Jesus into your life and you made that spiritual transaction and said, Lord, come into my heart and forgive my sin and I want to be your child, that's a thin place. I remember well when I made that choice in my own life. I don't remember the specific date on the calendar. I know that I was nine years of age. I know that it was a Sunday because I made that choice at the end of a church service, like many people do. There are others whose experience with Christ happened outside of church altogether, perhaps. Maybe it was coming before a crowd of people like this that you publicly professed your faith in Jesus. But we all can go back to that time if we know the Lord Jesus when that happened in our lives. And though we may not be able to remember all the specific details, we do know, we do remember, we felt His presence. It's a thin place. What else can be a thin place in your life and in mine? The birth of a child, no doubt, is a thin place. When God spoke to me in times later in my life, when I was a teenager, when I was a college student, 
when he was beginning to form in my mind what he wanted me to do, I can go back and remember thin places where God spoke to me. Thin places involved in my own life. Music. Songs. The melody. The melody that will draw me back to a period of my life perhaps when God spoke to me. Songs and hymns and spiritual songs that we share in worship services each and every Lord's Day right here in this place. You all have particular songs and memories of faith that are tied to a tune, that are tied to music, and well, it should be. Tonight at 7 o'clock here in this very room, we're going to usher in formally the Christmas season. You know, we don't have any decorations up here yet because we haven't been through the hanging of the green, if you will. But I want to invite you to come back tonight in one service here at 7 p.m. as we spend time. Hopefully it will be a thin place for you and me. The hanging of the greenery, the hanging of the garland, the placing of the, the Christmas poinsettias here in this room. The illumination of the lights, the bringing down of the artificial light we have here and, and bring up the Christmas lights. These are all thin places. What else can be a thin place in your life? Well, we all know that a thin place can also be a, a difficult time. It can also be a troubling event in your life and in mine. It can be a tragedy. It could be an illness. It can be something that literally turns our faith upside down. For many times, it's in those moments of despair and in those moments of trial and tribulation or temptation when we have stumbled into sin, when we understand and know that God's presence is ever with us. So thin places in the Scripture... All the way through, we're going to be looking at some of the highlights over these next days. Thin places in your own life. I hope and pray that in these days of the Christmas season of 2013, that you will remember, that you will cherish, that you will thank God for those times when He has revealed Himself to you in such a way that it's a thin place in your life. Well, what about these thin places and the Jesse tree? Well, we're going to be reading one reading every day. We're going to be creating an ornament that represents the, the Bible passage of the day. Those readings begin today, December 1. That's why we have one ornament hanging on that lower branch of the Jesse tree. And it corresponds to... A story, a story out of the book of Genesis, the second chapter, beginning in verse 8 and reading through verse 25. We're not going to read that in its entirety today, but just let me, let me tell you the story quickly. For this ornament has upon it a tree. It has a tree that, that has a serpent weaving its way up through the trunk of that tree. For those people in times past who didn't have written scriptures, 
You know, because there was a time when people didn't have Bibles in hand. They weren't able to have God's Word where they could open or turn or roll out in a scroll and read. We are so spoiled. We are so privileged because we have the Bible right at hand with us. Matter of fact, if you were to go in your house and do an inventory of the number of of Bibles you have, you probably have more than you could ever imagine. Sad thing is how many of those literally sit on the coffee table or they're put up on the shelf just to gather dust. But if you go back to a time centuries ago when this kind of tradition started, when people couldn't read God's Word, And even if they had a Bible in hand, they wouldn't have been able to understand it because they weren't able to read. So what did they do? They had things like this. They had wooden ornaments, perhaps. Or maybe they were put on a piece of metal. Maybe they were etched on anything that could be be etched upon or drawn upon. And as they looked at these symbols, if they looked at these ornaments, they would know the story behind it. And that's how they maintained their faith. That's how they kept in touch with the Word of God. They couldn't read it. It wasn't available to them. But it had been passed down generation by generation to where they could know and understand and hear God's Word. So we have an ornament here, and it's on a tree. It represents a genealogy, if you will. And one of those ones that we looked at these past days is we know we have two genealogies in the New Testament. One is in the Gospel of Matthew, and one is in the Gospel of Luke. I'm not talking about the Christmas story. I'm not talking about the account of the birth of Jesus. I'm talking about the genealogical chart of his life. And one of the main reasons I think those genealogies are in the Scripture is so that we can be assured, so that centuries ago people could be assured of the fact that Jesus was real. Now, today, if you were to turn to Matthew chapter 1 and you were to try to witness to someone and say, would you just read the New Testament and then we can talk about it. When they got to Matthew and opened to Matthew 1.1, they're going to see... Name after name after name. It's enough to make me quit. (laughs) It's enough to make me say, I've had enough of this. But to the discerning eye, to someone who is seeking the truth, to those who were looking for the Savior, those who want to experience a thin place, Matthew's genealogy is super important. It's found in the first chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 16. We're not going to read it in its entirety either. But you will find that as you read through this genealogy, that Matthew begins with Abraham and goes all the way to Jesus. So his genealogy is from Abraham all the way to Jesus. He basically takes the line of the genealogical line of Joseph, who was the earthly father of Jesus. And so we have here a genealogy that's based upon the legal line, the the true birth order, if you will. There's much to be read into Matthew's genealogy when you begin to look at it. You'll notice that he includes 
the names of four women in his genealogy. You go, so what? Well, back in that day and time, it was unheard of to have a woman's name in a genealogical list. The woman had no legal standing, if you will. It's totally different today. We're talking the culture of biblical times, the first century. And in that day and time, the woman's name would never have been mentioned. But you do a close study of these four women that are listed, as well as some of the men in this genealogical list, and you will see that the line of Jesus from Abraham all the way to the birth of Jesus includes some very, very unusual people. It includes a woman named Tamar who was mistreated by her father-in-law. It contains the name of a prostitute named Rahab, who gave birth to a man named Boaz, who later married another woman named Ruth. And Ruth is not even a Jew. She's a Moabite. She's a Gentile. And then as the line goes all the way through, you find that the birth of Solomon came through David, the king of Israel, and Bathsheba the result of an adulterous relationship. And you just look through that genealogy and you begin to see that God is able to use anyone and anything He so chooses. That's Matthew's account of the line, the tree of the birth of Jesus. You turn to Luke's account. It's found in Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 38. We're not going to read it this morning as well. But when you look at Matthew's genealogy and you line his genealogy up with Luke's, you'll find that they're told in completely different ways. Some of the names are similar. Many of them are not found in one or the other. You'll find that what Luke does is he basically traces not from Abraham to Jesus, but from Jesus, that's where he begins, and he traces all the way back not to Abraham, but to Adam. The first man. He goes from Jesus to Adam. He basically uses the line of Mary, the mother of Jesus, are going to be the names that are listed here. So we have the the bloodline, if you will, of Jesus given in Luke's genealogical record. Scholars have, have spent much time, they write many, many articles trying to distinguish and compare and contrast these two genealogies. If you think of your own, if you're to trace your line from your mother and it goes one way, and then you trace a line from your father and it goes a different way, you can see how the intermingling of the families can get confusing. In my own, I trace my mother's line and it goes back to some people who came over here from Germany. I Go to my father's line, the Hatfield family name, enough said. We don't really need to say anything else about that side of the family. It's, it's, it's unusual. It's, it's who I am. Get used to it. So, but the same with yours. And so with this in mind, this is why the Jesse tree becomes so important for us in our day and time. Is that Matthew and Luke thought it important enough to trace the line of Jesus, one from Abraham, the father of Judaism, to Jesus, the other from Jesus, all the way back to Adam, Luke telling us that Jesus is the Savior for all mankind, not just the Jews. 
And then we find our reading for today, our ornament for today. Genesis 2, 18 through 25. It's our tree, if you will, where it began in a garden, a garden called Eden. And that's the etching of that tree. And that serpent that's winding its way up the trunk is a reminder that in our family tree, the family tree of humanity, what happened? Given all of the privileges, given all of the, of the luxuries that God could bestow upon Adam and Eve, he told them and forbid them to eat of one tree in the garden and one tree only. And yet they stumbled. They took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And as they bit into its forbidden fruit, sin entered the world. That's our family tree. That's why when we look at this Christmas, when we begin to hang these ornaments on the branches that build up to the Christ candle, as we begin to see that Jesus, yes, has a family tree of his own, of course, and we have a tree of our own, of course, and it's built up from all of these stories of thin places where God reaches out to us. What do we learn from our own family tree? Can you see the the thin place that the Garden of Eden represents? Can you see that in the very creation of this garden, God was reaching down, He created the world, and He placed mankind within that world? John's gospel has already told us in 1.14 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He lived among us and He was at creation, that account tells us. So one of the thinnest places we could ever imagine is the very fact that God created you and me in His image and He desires to have fellowship with us. And though sin has marred that relationship, that's why Jesus came to restore us. To save us. To bring us back. See, Jesus is real. He's part of history. The genealogies show that in that day and time, there were people who did careful research to trace the ancestry of his life. And as we look at that lowest hanging limb, as we look at that ornament that reminds us of our own sinfulness, of our own turning away from God, of that tree with the serpent and the reminder of what it is, we now begin to pick the storyline up and we begin to see that God is not finished with us yet because the thinnest of all places, the thinnest place on the face of the earth as far as I can tell, is going to be woven through all of these stories And that's going to be wrapped up in one simple thought of God's grace. God's grace. What thinner place could we imagine? How much closer can God get to you and to me in our lives today than when He gives us grace? When He doesn't give us what we deserve because we deserve death. But He gives us eternal life. The thinnest place of all, the grace of God in your life and in mine, that's just the beginning. And every day beginning tomorrow in those readings, we're going to be telling a story of a thin place. It's going to be part of a Jesse tree that's going to fill up those branches from the bottom up. 
And may God use His glorious Word as we tell the story of the coming of Jesus to reveal to us that God has us in a thin place right now. You know the amazing thing about those thin places is there's always a choice involved. We can reject them or we can receive them. What are you going to do today? For God is here. Our Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to, to read from your word, to, to see the thin place that's represented by the fact that you created us in your image and placed us in your loving care. And Father, we pray that in our sinfulness, in our turning away from you, that we don't lose sight of your grace given to us through Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We offer an invitation as we conclude this service this morning, an opportunity for you and me to respond to to God's Word. Maybe you're here today and you have never asked Jesus to come into your life. It's a thin place, God reaching down to you and to me in His Son, Jesus. And if you see Him breaking through, if you understand that the nature of your own sin has separated you from God, but you're willing to receive that gift of life, then reach out and take it. Pray for Christ to come into your life. Receive Him into your heart. Become a follower of Jesus. We invite you to come and make that choice. There will be ministers and deacons standing here to receive you this morning. Maybe God would lead you to join our church today. Maybe this is where you participate. This is where you belong. But you've never made it official. You've never become an a full-fledged member of the First Baptist Church of Louisville. I invite you to do that this morning. That's what God is leading you to do. Maybe God would lead you into some area of obedience in your life where obedience has been absent in these days. Maybe it's a choice of turning away from this and moving toward that, toward His will, whatever it might be. Maybe for some people here today, you just need someone to pray with you. Sandy's going to be standing on one side of the room. Ray will be on the other. They're here just to pray with you. For maybe there are some people in this room and December 1 represents just a holiday season that you want to get through. You just want to get it over with. Not everyone enjoys this season as others. And my prayer for you is that if this season of the year brings memories that are haunting and not happy, if they're hollow, then pray to God and ask Him to speak to you. It's a thin place. We're right here. Let's respond to him in obedience. We stand together. We sing. Won't you step out and come forward right now?